one. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask your blessing upon this time, and we pray your anointing upon, upon every aspect of this service. But bless right now everyone here hearing your word, and bless your word as it goes forth in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Well, last week in, in, in part one of this series, Christ in You, um, we, we went over uh, the fact that as believers, uh, for, for each of us to reach our full potential, the, the, to fulfill the call in our lives, we have to come to a revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus and what it means for Christ in you. Christ in you, what does that bring forth in your life? And until you get that revelation, you're not going to reach your full call and, and, and your full potential. We saw that, that with Christ in us, we can become everything that Paul had become. We could become an apostle. And each one of us are called into apostleship. And that with that, and, and the second point from last week, that we could enter into a privilege, a, a place of privilege, really, uh, where John 1.12 says that for all who receive him and all who call on his name have the right, and in, in, in one translation says actually the privilege to become children of God, sons and daughters of God. We're privileged, okay? And that we can, as we grow, we can change our will and our identity can change into that of Christ Jesus, okay? We saw that Christ in us is what brings every spiritual blessing into our life, every benefit, every life-changing effect. Now today in part two, what I want to, and I, and I told y'all we're going to narrow it down every week and get a little bit more and more personal, a little bit uh, uh, more uh, directed toward you personally, okay? We're going to look today at, at our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven, His heart toward us through his son, Christ, in us, bringing forth, now listen, personal blessings, personal blessings, more of relational type blessings, but they're very personal in your life, and they apply to your life, and they will change you if you latch on to them. They will change your entire perspective of everything, how you see the world, how you see those who are around you, and how you even see yourself. So let's see what Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 1 when we go to our text right here and then to 2 Corinthians. We're going to read actually just the first six verses today, okay? Now listen, Ephesians chapter 1, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in, in Christ, in Christ. Just as he, now here, here we go, just as he chose us in him, Christ in you, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, first of all, let me explain something to you here. I want to, I want to teach you a few little, a little word lesson here. 
Paul starts out in verse 3, which is actually, the first two verses are actually his famous Paulinian introductions. He has them in all his epistles. But, but first th verse 3 is actually the beginning, and he starts out with, Blessed be, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, these three blessings that we're going to go over today come from the Father to the Son to us, okay? Blessed be... This word here, blessed be, in the translation is where we get our, our word for eulogize from. It's where, it means to speak well of. And so Paul is really saying here, he says, praise and blessings to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has, who has bestowed on us all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Bless his name. Bless you, Father, in heaven. It brings a connotation also of happiness and joy. So he's trying to bring joy to the heart of God. Now, almost every Sunday when we pray in intercessory prayer here before church, we always pray that. We pray it on Friday mornings a lot too. And, 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 and I like to pray this, Lord, and you all have heard me say this before, Lord, when we pray when this is finished, when this service is finished, that your heart will be so blessed and that you'll have a tear in your eye. Have y'all heard me say that? I've said that many times. Well, let me ask you something. What would that make you feel like if your kid did that with you? Wouldn't that make you feel just really good if your child would look at you and say, I want to bless you. I want your heart to be blessed. I want what I do and what I say to bless you. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, blessed be I want to bring blessings upon God the Father who through his Son in me has blessed me with every spiritual blessing that there is. Now, why do you think Paul said all spiritual blessings? I'm going to tell you why I think why he said that. He said that because he was speaking to a church in Ephesus that he knew was going to go through persecution. He knew that they would need every spiritual strength and every spiritual blessing just to survive. Because you see, he had been on both sides of the fence on those blessings. He had caused the persecution. He had caused the problems that to make them need those blessings. And then now he was on the other side and he realized, hold on, I also need those blessings. And so he was saying, you need every spiritual blessing that you can possibly have so that you can survive. Now, guess what, church? We need that today, just as in the church of Ephesus. How many of you know that it's not going to get better for us as Christians? Are you aware of that? Come on. Raise your hand. It's going to get tougher. I hear it every week. It's going to get tougher on the workplace. It's going to get tougher in, in, out in, in commerce, out in, in business. It's going to get tough. The, the pressure and the persecution to give in and to not preach the gospel in the blood of Jesus Christ and not stand for the cross of Calvary. It's going to get tougher. And it may come a time where, and I'm not prophesying this on me. I hope it doesn't happen to me, but... Where, where the government or, or some agency will tell me what I can preach and can't preach. And that's not going to happen. I'm going to preach the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to preach sin as sin. And I'm going to preach the word of God. But that's the world that we live in today. And so he said, you're going to need every spiritual blessing. Now, why do you think he said spiritual blessings? Because Paul had lived on both sides of those blessings. You see, Paul had lived with the material, with the temporal, as you said Friday morning, with the temporal blessings in his life. 
And he knew what it was like to survive with all of these temporal things going on in his life because he had dished them out on both sides now. He had been on the side of persecuting Christians, thinking fleshly, acting fleshly, in anger and hatred and everything else. And then he met Jesus Christ. Remember, we went over that. He met Jesus on a road trip to Damascus, and it changed him forever. And then he turned into Paul, the lover of Christ, instead of the persecutor of Christ. So he realized that spiritual blessings are far more powerful than temporal blessings. See, temporal blessings, temporal blessings, the blessings of this earth, all of these things that we enjoy, all of the fleshly blessings, all of the things we crave and that we need and all, I'm not saying that they're all evil, but they're so temporary, temporal, temporary. They're temporary and they're shallow. And how many of you have been there and just say, this doesn't really make me happy? All of a sudden, the joy and the excitement runs out. And then all of a sudden, you see people, they're selling all their stuff because they say, this is not true happiness. But spiritual blessings are different. Spiritual blessings are the blessings that get you through depression. Spiritual blessings are the ones that keep you from being discouraged. Spiritual blessings are the blessings that make you really understand what really counts in your life and in your world. And Paul realized that, and he said, all spiritual blessings peace and joy and contentment and all of these things in your life. Listen to me, church. Now listen, going along with that last statement. Jesus was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven and all blessings are his. And if you are saved and if you are seated in Christ Jesus and Christ is in you, listen, church, if Christ is in you, then you are seated in heavenly places also, and all of those blessings are yours. Now, that's Ephesians chapter 2. I was just repeating scripture to you. And never forget those riches and those blessings in your life, okay? Now, what we, what we, have, what we just read here, this text that we just read, is some theologians call it a, a, a tour of a museum of, of things. All of the first chapter, actually, of, of Ephesians. It's, it's like going through a museum of the blessings that you have when Christ is in you, okay? Some theologians call it Jesus' last will and testament. Now, y'all ever heard that little joke about the man who, who dies and they, they, the lawyer gathers all the family and the friends together to read the, the last will and testament? And and the lawyer starts reading, and it says, I, John Doe, being of sound mind, let it be known that I spent it all. (laughs) Boy, what a shocker. They were all drooling in the lawyer's office. What am I going to get? The cars, the houses, the money. What am I going to get? And he just said, just being of sound mind, let let it be known I spent it all. Well, with with Jesus our Lord, when, when Christ is in you, that's not the case because Jesus gave it all. He paid it all, and he left it all for you and for me. Now listen, church. The first one that we just read there is, is, is really a simple one. It's just I'm going over what's right here in the Scripture. This isn't hard preaching. What's that first personal blessing from the Father when Christ is in you? Listen to me. You are chosen. Right there, it says it. Just as he chose us in him. In Christ, you are chosen. Now listen to verse 5. Having predestined us 
to adoption. Having predestined. You are chosen and you are predestined. Okay. In French we say, melee les brakes. Put on the brakes, Bev. Stop right here. I want to stop and I want to spend five or ten minutes on this. Because I want you to catch this. This is what I want you to go home with. Not only the blessings, but I want you to understand something. Because each one of you are at different points, different, different levels, different stages right now of your walk with Jesus Christ. These two scriptures right here and one coming up that we're going to read in a little while. Chosen and predestined are two words, two scriptures that cause more false doctrine and more religious infighting than pretty much any two in the whole Bible. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of commotion about being chosen and predestined. Two verses. And what these verses lead to are what's called the doctrine of predestination. You, you know, y'all have heard of predestination. The doctrine of predestination. And the doctrine of election is another word for it. The elect. You are elected. The, you are in the in crowd, in the elect, okay? Or the doctrine of limited atonement. Now, let me explain to you what that means, church. These doctrines state, basically, what the, what the basis of these doctrines are, is that God before all time, God before all time decided who was going to be saved, who will be saved, and who can be saved, and all the rest of our lives really are just playing out this salvation, we are predestined, and it's just being played out, almost like you're in a movie, and you're just playing out that salvation that was predestined, that was already there in before all time. You are the elect, okay? And we'll get into the limited atonement in a second. Now, here's, here's the bad part about that doctrine, is that it does away with all choice or free will, okay? The choice factor, the free will factor in the process of salvation, of choosing to give your life to Jesus Christ, is gone. Because you're already chosen, you're already in the elect, you're already predestined into your salvation. Now that really sounds good to all of us who are saved, but it doesn't sound too good to those who are not saved, or those in our family and our loved ones, or those that we're trying to reach who are not saved. Because you say, well, if they're not really chosen, why should I go and tell them about Jesus Christ? Because it really doesn't matter. It's already just being played out. Are you with me so far? Okay? Sounds good to us, but not too good for those who are not saved. And it poses this question. How do we balance the truth that God is sovereign? Y'all know what sovereign means? That he's all in charge. And he is the man. And what he says goes, and what he decides happens. Sovereign, okay, in himself. How do we balance that truth with the truth that God has given us a free will? I told you all a story last week about Joshua who's gone to the battle at Jericho, and he meets up with this warrior, comes up with a sword who is drawn, and Joshua looks at him and says, are you for us or are you for the enemy? And he says, no. Well, how, how, posing the question, how do we answer the question, the balance between the truth of God's sovereignty on this hand and us having free will on this hand? How do we balance that? The answer is yes. 
You say, you're looking at me, y'all looking at me, all y'all like a cow at a new gate. Yes. The answer is yes. Does God have absolute power and sovereign? Yes. Does man have free will? Yes. The word here in this passage, I studied this. I actually preached this before. Brother Dwayne, uh, we're going to get to that in a second. Don't leave. I want you to hear this. Okay? Predestined here, this word priorisis means foreordained or had foreknowledge of. But in this particular way that it's used here in Greek, it's only attached to the next word or the next phrase. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame. It is latched on in the Greek language with that we should be holy and without blame. He's not talking about salvation in general. He's talking about that when you choose to give your life to Jesus Christ, then it is foreknown by God. God knew that you would become holy and blameless, and that's all. And people take it, and they run with it and say, well, we're predestined. We have predestination in our lives, and it's wrong, okay? In other words, it means that you're predestined into adoption to become holy, and you are, you're chosen to become holy and to become without fault. But it comes by a choice. Let me give you all a little example. This is a quarter. On one side, you have a picture of, who is that, Jefferson? You got a head, right? So normally when they flip a coin, it's, they say what? Heads or tails? Well, the head side represents the sovereignty. Would you come up here, Brother Michael, since you're going to probably, and you can use this on Wednesday nights, by the way. Okay, on the head side is the sovereignty of our God. On the tail side is our choice. Now, I want you to take this coin and look at both sides at the same time. Try to look at both sides at the same time. Try, try again, show them. Just, just make an effort to, to see it both sides. Okay. No, I'm going cross-eyed. I can't go on cross-eyed. Okay, now tell me something. Is the head side on that coin? Is the tail side on that coin? There it is. Are they two sides of the same coin? As far as I can tell. Oh. So you got sovereignty and choice in the same truth? Are you catching this, church? He is sovereign, but you're not going to get to the blessing until you choose. Y'all remember that every time you see a quarter, okay? I'm giving y'all a little object lesson there, all right? They're both sides of the same truth. God is sovereign, but unless you choose Jesus, you will never enter into your chosen, foreknown state of adoption. Now, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. 1 John 2, 1 through 2, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only that of ours only, but for the sins of the whole world you're chosen John 3 16 for God so loved the world not the elect only that he gave his only begotten son in the King James that and here you go brother Dwayne that whosoever believeth in him whosoever should not perish but have everlasting life there's a constant legitimate offer Every day, going out from God to everyone, saying, Jesus died for you. Please choose Jesus and the work of Calvary in your life. The famous 
pastor and preacher D.L. Moody said, the whosoever wills are the elect, and the whosoever wants are the non-elect. The whosoever wills will so enter into, and the whosoever wants can't and will not enter into. It's that simple. Let me tell you something about predestination. I worked for 24 years, over 24 years on the railroad. You go stand in front of a freight train and see how predestined you are not to get run over. <laughs> Listen to me. We have a free will. And God wants us to use that will to come to him and to accept the work of Jesus Christ. And I want everyone in here to say something with me. Say it right now. Say, I'm a whosoever will. Come on, say it again. Raise your hand. Say, I'm a whosoever will. I remember when I preached that years ago, Brother Dwayne made a t-shirt. He was handing them out. He made some, I'm a whosoever will. I don't know if you still have that t-shirt, but it wouldn't be a bad idea, Brother Kirk. We'd get us some, I'm a whosoever will. Okay? So you were chosen, but you're chosen to be holy, to be set apart for the new you to come forth, the new person to come forth. Our second scripture for the day is in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if Christ is in him, he is a new creature and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new person when Christ is in you. Hebrews 12, 14, live in peace with all men and be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15, just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy in all that you do. For it is written, I am holy, because, you are holy because I am holy. Why is holiness such a big thing for God? Why, why is that such a big thing for God want us to be holy? Because he wants us set apart. He wants us different than the world. Yes, loving of those. Yes, receiving of those. But he wants us to be Holy. Now, what's a sure sign? If you say someone's a Christian, say, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm saved. Oh, man, I'm, I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'm powerful and ready to go for God and everything else. But have you changed? Have you changed? When the rubber meets the road, have you changed? Are you different? Can you have a smile on your face? Can you help someone out? Are you willing to share? I'm talking the simple things here. Are you willing to listen? Are you rebellious like you were? Huh? Come on. Have you changed? Because if you've changed, there's a good shot at it that Christ is, say it with me, in you. Okay? And you're saved. All right. Now. Not only are you chosen, but you are adopted, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to him according to the good pleasure of his will. In, in, in the Roman law of that day, there was a thing called patria potestas, which means that the father of the family had absolute power over the children. He could do whatever he wanted to with the kids. But it also stated in another part of that law that he could adopt a child. And if that child was adopted, it meant a whole lot more than adoption today. Adoption today is a wonderful thing, and it's a great thing. But in that day, it meant that that adopted child not only was adopted with all the rights of that family, 
and the name of that family and the wealth of that family, but it meant that never again was it spoken of or never again was it revisited physically, mentally, or in any other way where that child came from. There were no debts that could come upon that child or that family. There was nothing. That past life had ended, and that adopted child was now in just like and even more than a natural child because that child was chosen and that child was adopted, okay? As born-again believers, we enter into a new relationship like that with God. Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. At that point, you enter into a relationship with God just as a child adopted into Roman law. Let me give you a little story that illustrates that. You've got a judge who's standing in the judge's seat behind the thing with the gavel. And that judge looks at someone in his courtroom, at a young man, and he says, by the law, the maximum penalty for what you have done is a $20,000 fine and five years in jail and that is what I sentence you to, $20,000 and five years in jail. And here's this young kid saying, oh, my God, I got $20, and I'm going to be 25 or 26 when I get out. of it. Oh, my goodness gracious. And right after the judge slams the hammer down, the judge runs around, and he goes around to the bailiff, and he says, I want to pay his fine. Here's the $20,000. And by the way, I'm going to do the time, and I'll, I'll probably get off with just on parole because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a judge and everything, but I'm going to pay that for him, okay? And, and the bailiff is looking at him and saying, you're going to do what? He says, I'm paying his fine. He just slammed the hammer down on him. He said, I'm going to pay his fine. And then he runs. The judge runs over to the young man, and he says, Daniel, I just paid your fine, but would you come live with us in our house? Would you come? And maybe even consider being my son. That's me and you. That's God the Father. Who said, I'll pay the fine. And Christ in you has already paid the fine. And now, you're mine. You're my son now. You have been adopted and brought into the family of God. You were of the family of where? Adam. But now you're in the family of Jesus. And it brings glory, the scripture says, even to God the Father. Let me read to you all one of my favorite stories. I read it to you probably five times through the years. But listen to this. This speaks of this so, so, so eloquently. A young mother wrote this. She said, I stayed with my parents for several days after the birth of our first child. This is a quote. This is real. One afternoon, I remarked to my mother that it was surprising that our baby had dark hair. She says, since both my husband and I are fair skin, I mean, uh, uh, hair and skin. She says, well, your daddy has black hair. Your daddy has black hair. I replied, but mom, that doesn't matter. I'm adopted. 
And with an embarrassed smile, she said the most wonderful words I've ever heard. I always forget. Come on, guys. Adoption shouts this. Listen to me. And y'all need to get this, church. Come on, dear ones, listen. Y'all need to get this. Every one of you in here. Every one of you. It shouts, I am wanted. You ever known people who were adopted? You ever heard the stories? Waiting to get a family. Waiting to feel wanted. It shouts, I am wanted. Someone wants me. Well, Christ in you shouts, you are wanted. And that's a picture of you. Thirdly, listen, you're accepted. You're chosen, you're adopted, and you're accepted. To the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. Accepted in the beloved. It says that in King James, New King James. Rejection and acceptance are very powerful in your life. Rejection is what the devil builds his kingdom on. Acceptance is what God builds his kingdom on. Okay? And Paul had, ex had experienced both of those too. He had rejected people for a big portion of his life. And then he was rejected by those same people that he was with. And now he was on the other side of the fence. He had ejected people out of the country. He had, he had brutalized them and, and, and tortured them. Now, listen, let me explain something to you all. If you have been rejected in your life, you have a wound that needs to heal. And if you do not feel accepted for who you are, that open wound will fester and you're going to fight it the rest of your life. And it will cripple you too. It will hinder you for the rest of your life. A spirit of rejection is very, very dangerous. A spirit of acceptance is very, very powerful. I'm accepted. They accept me for who I am. H have you been there, church? Come on. This is, this is powerful stuff. This is life-changing stuff. But Christ in you shouts, I am wanted and I am accepted. And in the book of Philemon chapter, oh, chapter 17, verse 17. Yeah, that's, all, that's almost all there is to the book. In the book of Philemon, Paul is writing to Philemon because he's got a, a servant there whose name is Onesimus. And he's writing on behalf of this servant because this servant has given his life to Jesus Christ. And so he's writing Philemon and he's saying, listen, he's a brother in the Lord here and I beseech you to, to be nice to him. And listen to what Paul says. This is a quote. He says, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. That's what Paul says. He says, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Jesus Christ, who 24-7 is interceding on the right hand of the Father. And he is saying, receive, Marshall." Receive June 
as you would receive me, Father. Receive Michael as you would receive me, Father. Receive Daniel as you would receive me, Father. Receive Miss Kayla as you would receive me, Father. Receive Michael as you receive. Come on, I want you to say it with me right now. Say your name in there. I'm going to say my name. Shout it with me. Jesus is saying when Christ is in you, he's at the right hand of the Father, and he is saying 24-7, Father, receive. Say your name. As you would receive me. Let's try it again. Father, receive, Marshall, as you would receive me. Single all through my 20s, miserable. Every holidays, and I've y'all heard the story many times, and I, I drank a lot. I'd always end up breaking up with my girlfriends, everything. It was just not a good time. My little Christmas tree, I'm sitting there with my fifth of scotch in my bag of cold beer because I drink scotch and chase it with beer. I'm sitting there on my, on my rocker, and I'm sitting there, and I shook my hand in heaven. I had my palm all unfiltered in my hand, my hair down to here. I was just, I was, I was a, a kind of guy who had holes in my blue jeans before it was fashionable, wore cowboy boots, long, long hair. Just that's the kind of guy I was. I didn't, you know, I wore work shirts and stuff like that. Those, uh, uh, and those, I forgot what they call the shirts. Anyway, and disco was in at that time. You remember disco? <laughs> disco. And I hated disco. Disco was like, man, I was a, I was a, a hippie cowboy, man. Come on. Did you like disco? You did? You like disco? No, he, no. Yeah, Skip said, no, I didn't like it. <laughs> All right. Now, I forgive any of you who like disco. Anita says, I liked it. I still love you, Anita. But I didn't like disco because that wasn't me. You know, man, I was a James Taylor guy. Yeah, now you're talking. You see, I've got some hippies in here. Now we're talking. But disco was in, man. And I didn't fit in. I just didn't fit in. And I sat in that rocker, so miserable and so alone took my fist and shook it and said if you're up there quote if you're up there I said two things I said send me a lady who love me for who I am and I said give me a son I'm not proud of this part but I said give me a son so I can teach him how to fight did teach him so don't don't get him mad <laughs> I said I'll even quit smoking see I wanted to be accepted for who I was because I thought something was wrong with me because I didn't fit in with that disco stuff I was not John Travolta and within just a week or two I got a phone call we were friends, and she said, could you take me to the sheriff's dance? I said, yeah, if you give me a haircut. She loved me just the way I was. Chosen. 
Say, that's me. Accept it. Say, that's me. Come on. Adopt it. Say, that's me. I am a whosoever will. I choose the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm not a robot walking in a track of predestination. Would you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Christ in you empowers you, brings glory to the Father, brings a smile on your face, brings a little skip in your step, brings you hope, brings you courage. Come on. And the Father knows that when His Son is in you, that all things are possible.